My guest today is Greg Thomas. Greg is a veteran software developer, a consultant, and is the author of Code Your Way Up, a guide for junior developers to rise to the challenge of team leadership roles. When not coding, Greg can be found coaching his kids sports or fixing up his cottage. Greg, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm glad to have you here. And uh, we were just discussing at the top of the show that we find ourselves in the same place uh, in the same country. We're both uh, residents of Ottawa. So it is very cool to have, you're actually the second Ottawa resident to have uh, that I've had on the show. And I, I wouldn't have thought when I started this that I would have uh, such a high proportion, even though it's just two. So it's, uh, it's cool to connect with you, even if we're online here, uh, being in the same city. And being separated from each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. And uh, maybe in better times, we can find ourselves doing an interview uh, across the table as opposed yeah. to uh, across, uh, across Zoom. Uh, regardless, though, welcome. And I'm excited to chat with you about this book you've got and, and your experience uh, publishing it. Your book is called Code Your Way Up. Um, you have uh, targeted the audience being junior developers wanting to get into leadership roles, maybe um, wanting to, as, as you put the tagline here, rise to the challenge of software leadership. Um, so I'd love to touch on, on tons of things about this book, but maybe um, give us the backstory about it. Uh, what was your impetus to, to set out writing this book? What, uh, what, what was uh, your kind of reasoning behind even getting this going? Yeah, it, it was really two scenarios. I think I could kind of condense it down to um, one, I, I was starting to lead uh, some, some pretty significantly large teams of 30 and 40 people. So we have like managers and team leads. And I, I, I started to see some of the scenarios where some, some people would really thrive with the, the jump and some would kind of struggle. And, uh, and I started to look at like, okay, so, so what, what elements was, were people struggling at and, and where could I help them? And then from there, it, it kind of took me on a journey back to like when I first became a software manager and kind of some of the struggles I went through and, and how I got um, through them. And then it, it just kind of kept going backwards. Like, okay, some of these things that I think about and when I think about like the other like great leaders that I've, I, I've had the opportunity to work with, it always kind of brought me back to they were doing these things when they were developers, like we were doing these things when we were developers. So whether it's, you know, taking on new projects or volunteering to like fix bugs or, or jump into the critical issue in production on a customer site, you know, they were already doing these uh, things that kind of translate into being a leader. So, so when I looked at trying to figure out the, the audience that I wanted the book to resonate with. Um, it was definitely junior developers are starting out like right, right out of school, right in school, co-op programs. And then those that um, have, have either been kind of leading teams for a couple months and, and are having those feelings of, uh, I'm not doing a great job. Like, what should I be doing better? I'm stuck. Um, and, and those, and that audience is, is the one that I always kind of worry about because, because the first inclination is always, you know what, maybe I should just go back to coding because I can't figure this out. And, and that was one of the core, like the, the core groups I wanted to work with because um, I, I kind of see it so much as coding, like when we first start out as juniors and, you know, you're constantly building and breaking, building and breaking and things go wrong and then you fix it. And you try out a new library and it works um, and, and you break things. And, and I think 
as we kind of like go through our career and you know we we kind of forget how we started so then as a leader you're having to learn all these new behaviors and skills that are quite hard to learn and master and 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 we just need to remind ourselves that you know when i started out i had to do the exact same thing so 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 don't forget that now it's just a different set of things that you have to learn now so Got it. No, that's really cool. What, uh, what are some of the reasons you think that when juniors come to the place where they are, maybe, maybe they have the potential to get into a leadership role, uh, that maybe they hesitate or, or they have those thoughts of like, oh, I can't really figure this out. Maybe I should go back to coding. Like what, what are some blockers that you've seen uh, and some hurdles that juniors uh, need to get past? Yeah. You know what? Uh, one of the number one things that I've always thought is, um, hard for hard for a developer is um when your manager's going like you know you're so great at doing this thing like why don't you just stick with it you don't want to manage people like you're you're the ace in the hole on this framework or this area and i really i really cringe when i hear that because it sounds like we're just we want to pigeonhole you into this area and because that's really good for us because then we know we have a dedicated amazing person that will always deliver there but it doesn't actually help you grow. Um, and, and that was like one thing where I just went, um, you need to push back when, when you get a performance review that is like, yeah, you're doing great. I wish I had 20 of you. And like that, that, that's, that's not helping you getting anywhere. And I actually had one dev on my team one time. Uh, and this was actually before I started writing the book who, uh, we did his review end of the week and uh at the end of it he's like okay like this this was really great but um for monday or tuesday i'd like you to come back with some actionable items on what i need to do to grow and develop and get better and uh, whether it's kind of going into more leadership or advancing on my development side and uh and and i really thought it was great like we ended the call i said you know what like that was the right thing to do because it almost felt like I kind of phoned it in and just did it kind of very easily. So yeah, definitely when, when we, when we kind of, when we're getting that validation, but not really kind of the feedback we need to grow. Uh, one of the big areas that I think can get us pigeonholed in that area. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. I, I have this conversation from time to time with uh, developers who are maybe like, you know, partway through their career journey. Maybe they're just closer to starting out. And it goes something like this, like, I don't know if I want to be uh, coding, like, you know, long into my career, or if I want to go over to, to like a management role, um, where I'm an engineering manager, or like, I'm, you know, not coding as much, but, but leading people. Um, and, you know, a lot of people that I've talked to have struggled with whether or not that's something they want to do. Maybe they've got certain qualities that would make them good leaders, and, and they're sort of attracted to it, but they also don't want to give up the day-to-day hands-on coding stuff, uh, yeah. as well. Um, do you, do you give any advice for, for people in that scenario, if they're kind of tossing this idea in their head uh, back and forth of whether they'd like to go into management and, and maybe who are apprehensive even because it might spell the end of their like, uh, technical, uh, you know, their technical skills, uh, by the time they get too far into it, any advice for, for people in that situation? Yeah. I mean, even to this day, I, I am still coding. Um, when, when I've been leading teams, I'm, I'm coding. Uh, when I was a VP of our entire R&D group, I, I was still coding. And to me, 
um, I've always seen coding as like a fantastic outlet. Like it's one of these things where you can do something in a day or towards the end of the week and you can finish it. I feel like I, I built this, like I, I pulled it all together, figured out all the endpoints and everything. And I made it work. And uh, there, there's something always very fulfilling for me with coding. Mm. Um, so, so I'm a big proponent that uh, leaders should not stop coding in software. And, and I think that's what makes software leaders um, very different from other in- industries is that especially we've, we've invested so much time in getting to um, where we are, you know, like, you know, going from a junior to senior to taking on tech lead roles and team lead roles. And um, we, we learn so many languages and frameworks and deal with so many different platforms that um, I think it's a bit of a sticker shock when all of a sudden you say to someone like, okay, well, like you're, you're great at all this and we see all these other skills you have, like we want you to lead a team. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the thing I always ask, you know, new leaders who are struggling with that is, uh, who's telling you to stop coding? Mm-hmm. Like, like you're, the, the type of coding you're probably going to do for your team is going to change, but no one's saying, you know, put down the keyboard. Like, I do know there are, are actually some places that will say, like, yeah, managers don't code here. Yeah. Um, but but if, if, if you're not at one of those places, like, I think what evolves is what you code. Um, for instance, like, when I, when I first became a manager, um, we were on a very heavy, uh, tight, tight schedule for a project. And I ended up doing a lot more grunt work coding mm-hmm. and kind of like mass critical path feature coding. So my job was really to help the team clear out the bug backlog. Like, and I would go in there and do more bugs than features. Um, now, now I, I, I still do some feature work depending on the scope, but I'm also not on the critical path features so so i guess that means like my stuff can get cut sometimes if i don't get it done um and i do a lot of prototyping and proof of concepts for customers and our team of like directions we should go so more at a higher architecture level so um so i keep my hands in it and and i do think like it's really good for software managers to keep doing that you know like Mm. it's a a it's just a fantastic outlet for you to kind of feel at the end of those hard days of working with people and kind of going through, you know, people issues and make, mm-hmm. making sure they're growing. It's, it's a nice little outlet to like, Hey, I, you know, I cracked off a few bugs at the end yeah. of the day. Um, and it's a great way to keep learning. I mean, some of, some of, some of the stuff that you see like on Twitter, like the hundred days of code, I, I mean, like I still do those in iterations of just like new languages, just so I can keep, uh, just keep learning something new and, mm-hmm. um, and keep applying those to different projects. So definitely, um, I, I get it. It's like, oh man, like I can't code anymore because I have to lead. And it's like, no, like you, you just have to find that, that balance to make it work. It's just going to be a different type of coding you're going to be doing now. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and, you know, it, it kind of makes me think of um, the paths, the, the various paths that, that developers might take throughout their career and, and um, of course, each developer is going to follow a path, hopefully, that is, you know, th- that they like, that, that uh, kind of bodes well for their skills and what they want to do, the, the, their, their aspirations, etc. Um, you know, I guess one way to look at it is, is that maybe 
with the book and, and maybe, maybe your stance on it is you, you're, you'd almost like to promote uh, the idea of going into leadership, um, going into a leadership position if you're a developer. And I, I guess what, what would you say would be the, I don't know, I don't know how to word this question. What would be the benefits perhaps of, of going down that route or um, why, I suppose, why advocate for, for that position um, to go into a leadership role as opposed to staying in like a kind of an individual contributor, contributor role. Um, is there anything that uh, stands out as like the reason that you believe that people should go into leadership roles? Yeah. And, and so, so I talk a bit about this in the book, just, you know, when, um, like sometimes we have this singular view of how, how I can be a leader, have to lead a team. I don't like people. I don't want to lead. And, um, and I think it's like, again, like kind of narrow to like what leadership can be, uh, especially in software. You know, like I, I've worked with some amazing developers who, you know, we would put them on a plane for three months to go to like a different country to go sit with, um, like a very angry customer to kind of soothe them, fix their issues, help them over their a hump. And, and we'd be receiving feedback that like, this person is fantastic. Like, like they are taking our issues, they're taking control of them, they're working with our team, they're, they're training them up. So, you know, but that person wasn't, you know, like a software manager or software mm. leader in title, but they were doing all these leadership things that were, like they're doing code and they're, and they're saving a customer for us and they're doing all this amazing work. And to me, it's like, look, that is uh, like, I have never been shipped off to a customer site for three months, but that is something that like is leadership and same with, you know, um, leading, whether it's leading a team or it's, you know, being the point person on, your team for support tickets and, and high priority issues or trial sites, you know, it's all, there's, there's so much of a spectrum of leadership and software and it doesn't have to be just like, I need to manage mm -hmm. a team. It can be like uh, leading this, this product, leading, you know, issues with customers or, or, or whatnot. So uh, the way, the, the way I look at it is it's like, what are you, what are you good at leading and how can we help you get there, um, you know, and develop that, that, that skill set for you. Um, so yeah, like I kind of, I don't, I don't view it as a, like, it's just a team. It, yeah. It's it, it, there's, there's, there's so many other elements and I, and I don't think those are always, uh, people realize it when, when they start to think about leadership, like they, they just go to that one point first. Yeah, that's interesting. That's that's certainly, I guess, by default where my mind goes is when we talk about leadership or or you know management of some form. It, it often goes to like, okay, well, going that means going to lead a team, kind of turning, putting down the keyboard as as you said. Uh, yeah. Which which this is an interesting perspective. Like it, I I hadn't considered this kind of this angle on it that it's it doesn't so much uh, leadership doesn't uh, mean that that's not what it's you know. That's not the all-encompassing definition of, of what leadership in a software uh, development uh, role would look like. So, yeah, that's really really cool. I, I wonder if we can maybe uh, shift to talk about the whole process of, of writing the book and publishing it and releasing it, because there's a lot of people who listen to this podcast who would like to do a book themselves. Um, and 
and, and would like to get into the publishing game. And so, you know, there's, there's various ways that books get published. Uh, yours is up on Amazon. And from what I understand, talking about it uh, prior to recording is you went through a publisher. Um, so there's that route. There's also the route of self-publishing, uh, building up the audience, um, releasing it kind of on your own site, et cetera. So maybe we can talk about the road that you took and, and some of the reasons uh, behind it. So uh, maybe let, if we could start at, at the uh, publisher kind of side of things, uh, tell us yeah. about your publisher and the, the whole process of, of, of getting this book published through them. Yeah. So um, like end to end, I think when, when I really kind of dug in um, it was probably about a year's development and, and any delays, I would totally say were on my side. <laughs> um, now, like before I went to a publisher uh, that was recommended by a friend, I was also talking to uh, a book dis- distributor. So, so I would kind of write everything, and do everything, and they would package and ship it and probably help with some of the packaging and shipping. So in that case, it would be the one option was purely paperback. And um, this option was going to be ebook and paperback. Um, so, so, so those were, so that's kind of like the distinction of the two models looking at, or it was like, I kind of just go off and do it all on my own on self. On uh, self. Now, um, the, the one thing that really kind of pushed me towards the publisher is uh, I was really lucky to work with a company called Page Two out of Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Um, they published some fantastic books. They and and uh, uh, since kind of the pandemic hit, they they've developed this incredible author community with all of us who have been pushing out books during this period. Um, but uh, the thing that really drove me to them is they were going to manage the whole process. And when we first sat down for a couple of meetings, all of these things that they were thinking about, I was thinking, wow, I didn't even think about these things. Um, and for them, it, for me, it kind of helped having them enforce a schedule on me. So it was kind of like, you know, I, I mean, it's just like writing code, right? Like if you don't have a deadline, you know, it just seems to take longer and longer and you just kind of, oh, I'll fix this bug and then I'll like, just keep it going. Uh, so, so to me that really helped. Um, so it was probably about the first couple months we put in the first draft. Um, and then uh, I would definitely say if you're writing a book the first time, like the first draft edits you get back are, uh, what's a good word? Not disconcerting, but um, maybe depressing. <laughs> because, yeah, yeah. Beca- and, they, and they actually warned me. They said, look, like it's coming back next week. Just so you know, don't get down, hmm. but it's going to be all read. And that's typical of any book. And um, I already kind of had the audience in mind, but I definitely found working with them. They helped me refine the audience and they also mm-hmm. helped me ask a lot of questions. So they would say, well, okay, so who are you talking to here? And, and, mm-hmm. and, and what are you, what's the goal you're trying to get to here? Which is stuff I didn't really think um, would happen. Um, what was really interesting about the copywriting process is at first I was a little worried because um, they, they didn't have kind of like a technical copy person. So someone who's familiar with the software world. 
Um, in in the end, I, I think that worked better because I kind of got like brand new, fresh eyes. Like, okay, what does this acronym mean? And sure, yeah. kind of spell it out. So so it made me think about that a little more. Um, and and actually, the book has been read by people that are outside of software development as well. So I, I think that's good there. Um, and then and then from there, there was multiple back and forths on edits. Um, there was some work on the design of the book, uh, which again was helpful. And like they would send over designs and send back feedback. Mm -hmm. um, and then we went into grammar edits, which uh, I am horrible at grammar. So that was another big red copy that came back. And then it was actually this January where we finally got to kind of closing everything down. Um, and then it was the week before Canada kind of shut everything down that the book released. Um, so interestingly enough, I hadn't really thought of the whole ebook. Uh, like me, myself, I still love reading paperback books. Mm, yes. um, but I think it's been a bit of benefit because the ebook sales have been higher than paperback as a result. Yeah. Um, so very, very interesting to kind of see that, that stat uh, come across. But um, they handled setting up all the, like pushing it to Amazon, managing, like once, once they had everything set up with accounts for tracking stats and reports and everything, um, then they kind of showed me how it worked and, and where to go and if we want to make changes and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So really they kind of managed the whole project um, they, they gave me prompts. Okay. Like, you know, start kind of maybe start reach, reaching out to your community here. Um, they, they knew the process from end to end. Hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, what's like, uh, one thing you mentioned there was like they, in the editing process, they would come back to you and say, well, who are you speaking to? Who's the audience in this particular section? Uh, do you have an example of that? I'm curious about like, uh, how, because I've never gone through like a proper editing process with an editor like that. I, I've got some um, self-released books, but uh, I've never gone through the the strict process that a publisher would would put you through. Uh, what does that look like? What what's the what's an example of where there would be kind of a maybe a segment that they wanted you to hone in on the audience for? Yeah, wow. I'm trying to think of precise. Um, so, for instance, there might be. So in the reviewing process where they go like, okay, you, you've mentioned this point twice in the same setting. So like pick, pick one and go with it. Um, if, if I was describing, you know, like uh, an, an interaction between yourself and your manager, um, how to handle it, they might go, okay, so who are you, who are you talking to here? Like either the developer talking to the manager or the manager had to deal with the developer. And I, and I think mm -hmm. like, things like that help break it out. So it didn't seem, cause when you're writing, it kind of just is all flowing out of your head. Yeah. Uh, sometimes like code and then you go compile it and it breaks. And, and, and it was kind <laughs> of like, like that. Um, I can't think of a precise issue. I probably blotted it out, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but, but, but it was definitely those kinds of um, kinds of things that they really, uh, helped with and, and helped clarify kind of like when, when I started, when I think I gave them the initial couple drafts, we were probably at 60,000 words. Mm -hmm. And so I think we tightened it down to about 53,000, which um, 
is great because like they help either take out some of the fluff or help you get more concise in your thoughts, uh, which, which was like fantastic too. And, and even at the end, like I, I think one of the worst parts with writing a book is you start doing so many edits and well, there's two, two things. So, so the first one is you start doing so many edits that by the end, um, you kind of start to doubt what you're saying. And, and, I, and on our last kind of content, edit, I was like, you know, I think I have to rewrite this entire section. They were like, no, 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 hold on. Um, and the copy editor called me up and, and, and she, like, we went through each change step by step. And she's like, this, this part is great. It's fantastic. We, we just need to change this little thing. I think it's great. Like you hit on the mark. So, so that definitely kind of helped in a little bit of reassuring. Um, but by the end, like you've, you've read your own book nine or 10 times. Yeah. So um, I found that as the edits went on, they were taking me longer because I was having to slow down myself from reading it. So right. I wouldn't skip over areas. Like I'd say, okay, I'll need a week and a half because I'm just going to read 20 pages a night. Otherwise it's, otherwise I'm going to get to the end and keep skipping over those areas. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what strikes me about this book that's uh, and your experience with it, that's different uh, from those who I've talked to before who've gone through publishers is that this is, it, it sounds like, you know, this is a book written based on, uh, experience and, and years of experience. Whereas uh, other authors that I've talked to, they're, they're writing like more strictly technical um, books on topics that would, would get published through like O'Reilly, for example. So it's like, here's the, all the technical pieces to build this thing you want to build. Um, and, and like you said, the publisher, publisher you went through um, is not strictly in like the, the, the software space, right? Like they're, they're kind yeah. of a, they're, yeah. they're a publisher of many things, I'm sure. Um, so that so that's an an interesting difference there. Uh, I guess question I've got on that is if someone is wanting to do a, sort of an experiential um, kind of book, you know, teaching from experience, um, would you recommend that they delve into that at the early stages of their career, or is it something that maybe like to to get to get to the point where you've got a published uh, book of the size and the caliber that you put out, you you, you want some more years of experience under your belt? Um, would you recommend people sort of sort of wait if they're they're looking to do the kind of book that you've put out? Oh wow, that's a that's a really fantastic question. Um, so if I was to answer this, if so, if I was when I first became a manager to write this book, and when I first managed a team was probably at least going back nine nine ish years now. Um, I've definitely learned a lot more. <laughs> so um, that that definitely helps. I, I don't think I would have um, been able to write the book. Like I, I've, I've been doing blogging for, for years and years, mm -hmm. um, even going back to when like I first became a manager. So like I was blogging about some concepts, but I don't think I would have had the breadth of everything to and and the ups and the downs so mm. i think my my first team i ever managed like we were a great group um we accomplished a lot um and, and i've managed other teams that like you know like some sometimes they're up and some sometimes they're down and I, and i think that definitely helps you kind of 
see what works. And, and some, sometimes you have to do these experiments to see, okay, like what I did here is no longer working here. So I have to kind of change my approach and see why I have to change. So um, I definitely think that that helped in writing the book and, and seeing things from different angles. Um, so I don't know if I, if, if I, I don't know, I, okay. I definitely know I would not have been confident to write a book when I first became a manager because uh, I had so much to learn. And uh, unfortunately, like when I, my, my first manager, um, when, when I became a manager, um, he, he sent me this fantastic email and I, I kind of sent him a mail one night just saying, I don't, I don't think I'm doing things right. Like, I think I'm kind of missing stuff. And, uh, and, and, and he sent me this big, long email and, uh, unfortunately I lost it, but it, it was just a, a fantastic email. It's almost like a primer for managers. Um, so yeah, um, I, I, I think you need to go through, well, I did, I needed to go through like work with a few different teams and everything to kind of really find, uh, a groove. Uh, and I've been fortunate enough to have like some some patient teams that have let me try out those various kind of uh, ideas and experiments to see what, what sticks and what doesn't. Gotcha. Gotcha. So something that, um, that people often say, or I've heard this said before after they put out a book is that was a, you know, a fill in the blank experience. Um, but I wouldn't do it again. Would you, uh, now that you published your book, would you do it again? Uh, would you write another one? Yes. Yeah, I would. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, I, and I, I have a, a couple ideas that I'm working on right now. Um, so I'll, I hope to do it again um, when they ship. It could be a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I do. I know, like I had talked to other people before, uh, like uh, almost writing, like, like you said, purely technical books on how to write APIs. Um, but uh, yeah, no, like I would do it again, but uh, sorry, sorry. But those people are always just like, oh, like the edits will kill you. And, and yeah, mm-hmm. there was, there was parts of it that was, I always thought, okay, this is just like, this, this is what they were talking about. Like this is right. the whole, and you would get back the edit and you wouldn't want to look at it for a week. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll do it again. I, I, I think it's like, I, I equated it to, you know, a huge software release that you put all this time mm-hmm. and blood and sweat into and, you're like, oh, we're never gonna do this again. <laughs> and then and then on Monday you're like version two. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 How it goes. You just need a little bit of time away, like after exactly. it's done. Yeah. And then you come back with uh yeah, with, with some freshness. So yeah. that's awesome. Um what uh would you say is like the from your experience, and, and maybe uh, maybe you can't speak to the other side because you haven't done the self-publishing thing, but what's what's the benefit of going uh, through Amazon I, as a distribution channel? Have you seen kind of like some concrete uh, benefits there that that may not be found in like the self-publishing kind of way of doing things? Um, so for me, there's probably been two things. Um, number one, like my publishing company was fantastic and even um, like I said like I kind of launched the book uh, right before the pandemic hit in North Mm -hmm. America Um, so they actually for pub for 
authors that had pushed out books in the month of March, they actually bought a bunch of Amazon ad advertisements to kind of help give them mm -hmm. a boost. Um, so, so there was that piece. Um, I, I've been starting to look a little more at things like Gumroad and even there's M Amazon Cre Creative Spaces, I think it's mm -hmm. called. Um, so I don't know which way I'm going to go for the next book. Um, but the ebook channels, um, I don't think I would have had set up correctly. And it's, um, and I think the thing with Amazon is it has the, um, you know, there's the reviews. Um, it's, it's interesting to see where the book has been purchased. Um, mm. Like there's been uh, various places, like they kind of lay it out in reports for you. And I kind of go like, oh, like, I wonder who's buying it there. I mean, I don't know yeah. anybody. <laughs> um, and uh, for, for me, like the best thing is when it's, it's brand new people and someone leaves a, a review or, or talks about it and you go, oh, that's, uh, that's fantastic. I, I would love to know how you kind of found it and figured it out. Yeah, um, that's but, awesome. Yeah, so I think Amazon as a general network is, um, and it has that bit of reach to everyone and keeps it on the same field. One thing I'm very curious about here is uh, on the Amazon page, you've got a quote from Seth Godin. How did you get a quote from Seth Godin on the book? Oh, um, so uh, Seth Godin has a bunch of programs. Um, so years ago, um, actually, this was kind of the, um, the conception for the book was I signed up for uh, his program, uh, the Alt MBA. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, um, I remember that one? Yeah, and I was in. Uh, so it was the first time he was putting it out, and I remember being at a very kind of point in my career was like, I don't feel like I'm doing a job. So so at that point, I was like kind of, um, like in charge of a very large team, and mm -hmm. I just felt like I'm not doing a good job. I'm struggling like what I did before isn't working. I can't figure out how to scale this. Like I'm just going through all these issues in my head. So I, I signed up and um, through, through the, the, the course of the program, by, by the end, it's like, they just kind of throw you. It's like, okay, so what's next? And what is it that you want to change and everything? And I was like, oh. So, anyway, so, so that's where the idea for the book came from. So when I published it, I, I, I sent them a copy and just said, you know, thank you for um, everything. Um, and, and, you know, uh, the uh, course, and this is where the idea came from. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then he sent back a, 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 a blurb, which was incredibly generous awesome. and, and, uh, and fantastic. So, yeah. Yeah. That's really good. He's uh, yeah, he, he's one of my favorites in this space. And I, I was fortunate to be able to see him live uh, in Boise, Idaho at this conference oh, nice. put on by uh, ConvertKit. And so this yeah. was back in like 2017, I think uh, is when I saw him there. And yeah, like, you know, I've watched a bunch of his talks on YouTube, yeah. um, but seeing him live was awesome. Like he's just yeah. so engaging. Um, so that's really cool that you went through the Alt MBA. That's uh, I, I've been curious about that uh, and what it would have been like myself. Um, cool. Well, you know, I, I guess that's probably a good point to start wrapping up on. Um, is there a place that people can, uh, find you, learn more about the book? Where would you point people towards if they want to, to know more about what you yeah. put out here? You, you know what? Two areas. So there's the, the main website is codeyourwayup.com. 
And uh, on Twitter, there's uh, Code Your Way Up. Uh, okay. I think it's Code Your Way Up, yeah. And, uh, and that's where I'm kind of like, just kind of continuing the conversation on a lot of what, either with the book or content on, on, on the book as well. Okay, cool. And if people want to kind of get in touch with you uh, personally, is that the best way to do it as well through those channels? Um, yeah, there's like, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, I, I can give you my, my uh, address. Uh, just look cool. up Greg, Greg Thomas in Ottawa. And I, I think I'm the only one that will show up. Um, okay. And yeah, like uh, they can email me if they want to. Awesome. That sounds great. Um, I will grab some uh, details from you. We can put them into the, to the show notes. Um, Perfect. Well, cool. It's uh, been a pleasure uh, chatting with you today, Greg. I am excited for you and this book that you've got out. So thanks for taking us through the journey. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can do a round two at some point uh, yes. in person here in Ottawa. Yeah, we'll do a follow-up. Thank you very much. That's good. You got it. Thanks. Thank you so much for checking out the Entrepreneurial Coder podcast today. This has been episode 37 with Greg Thomas. You can find show notes, including links to all the things that Greg was talking about over at ecpodcast.io. There you can also subscribe, go to ecpodcast.io slash subscribe. And if you could leave a rating and review, that would be awesome. Check us out on Twitter at twitter.com slash coderpodcast.